Marketing Mindset, the Growth Hacker's Guide to Business Success. Join us with conversations with the world's leading experts, covering their biggest insights from years of experience. We also host deep dives into the latest innovations in marketing to the most successful time-worn strategies that you can start using today. I genuinely believe that effective marketing is about helping somebody come to a decision with which they remain happy, even if that's not to buy from you. I always used to write to people saying, you know, where are you? Where have you gone? I'd be direct, punchy. And you get widows writing back saying, my husband has gone to the other side. Oh, God, you know, this is, this, is, this, this is not good. The Marketing Mindset Podcast is hosted by me, Sam Harris, and my business, Postery, the leading solution of personalized marketing with the mission to rid the world of spam. On the show today, we have Bryony Thomas. She is the author of the book, Watertight Marketing, which is the ultimate guide to creating a complete marketing system for your business or project. The methodology that it teaches ensures that you give your customers the right information at the right time along a completely thought out customer journey from the first touch point with a potential customer to creating loyal brand lovers. She is also the director of her business, Watertype Marketing, which is a marketing agency that will help your business implement all of the tactics across everything you do with a view to increase customer retention, satisfaction and the ultimate profitability of your business. She runs an amazingly tight ship and it's truly wonderful to have her time to talk here on the podcast and to have all the best advice and insights she's gleaned from a lifetime in marketing and just to yeah share all her top tips on the podcast so we're going to start the interview with her three biggest pieces so the first is to understand your customers as human beings so I have a, um, I just wrote an article for the executive magazine on the kind of hypocrisy of language in marketing. So you'll find, um, you'll find, so when people are crafting marketing copy for an audience, they will work really hard on the humanity and the language and empathy and um, understanding their emotional state and all that sort of thing. But behind closed doors, when people talk about the process of marketing, people, you, you know, they'll say that they are, um, profiling and capturing and using a hook and using a tripwire and then putting a structural lock-in in their products to maintain mm. loyalty. I mean, these are, these are disgusting words. They're disgusting when you think about a human yeah. being. Um, and so I would, um, I genuinely believe that effective marketing is about helping somebody come to a decision with which they remain happy, even if that's not to buy from you. Mm. So, um, you know, there's, that's a, there's a values shift in mm. the definition of what marketing is, um, which, you know, perhaps explains why, why some people find me a little unusual, but mm. it does work. It, this is the thing. So in the, in the long term, I genuinely believe that um, bringing true humanity and empathy into everything that you do and having people's best interests, including your own, but the mm. balance of people's best interests at heart um, is probably the best way to build a sustainable business. Yeah. And it, it's, it's sustainable because um, people like you and talk about you. It's sustainable because you sustain your energy by being able to look yourself in the mirror. 
Mm. Um, you know, there, are also, there are all sorts of ways in which I think um, having a really long, hard look at the values and humanity of marketing and reframing that, that massively affect how successful it is for you in the long term. Cool. Have you ever read the book called The Go-Giver? By Bob Berg? Yeah. I have indeed, yeah. yeah Great good. book. Sounds quite like the, um, like the like your value is defined by sort of how much more you give compared to how much you take. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Bob Berg, so there's, go, there's go-givers and there's go-givers sell more. Um, yeah. Both absolutely excellent books. The next one would be to turn your marketing upside down. So um, when, when people are planning customer journeys, you tend to look through the eyes of the customer and walk through their steps in their journey. So you think, how would they hear of us? How would they get in touch with us? How would they make their decision? So you kind of, um, when you're mapping it, you're, you're mapping it forwards. So from where they start to their destination. However, you need to build it backwards. So the, the problem, the, the thing that I see happen most often is that people do their marketing the wrong way up, which is that they generate awareness without having the stepping stones in place to take someone all the way through to loyalty, which is a bit like... Um, uh, you know, so, so I use the I use the uh, image in the book of um, Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. You know, where he's mm-hmm. kind of running along and then goes meow down the ravine. Yeah. yeah. Um, most most businesses in their marketing are are creating that scenario. So they'd spend a load of money generating awareness and leads, and then they simply do not have the tools to get somebody over the chasm, um, which is also the name of the book, uh, Crossing the Chasm, mm-hmm. um, uh, to 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 get through to loyalty and so even though even if you map it forwards you need to build your marketing backwards you need to start with um an an amazing product a phenomenal customer service that has to be in place then you put in place the the tools that convert the convince and convert tools Uh, and it's only when you've got those that it makes any sense at all to spend money on marketing Um, and the the picture that we paint is of a bucket funnels and taps and if you have a bucket with a hole in it, clearly spending money on taps is a complete waste of money. It literally is going down the drain. Um, and so if, if you have that picture in your head, um, you should, it should stop people from spending money on something that won't net a return. Yeah, yeah. if you're getting users for your app and you're just losing them the next day, it's pointless. Okay. Yeah. And the, the, the problem is that, that there, are, um, there are famous exceptions to the rule. Um, and people operate on the assumption that they are also the exception. Mm. So someone like um, Twitter or Facebook, um, you know, they, they, they gained a load of customers and then try to work out how to monetize it. Um, Twitter less successfully than Facebook. So Facebook made no money for years and then started making loads of money. And if you haven't got years and you haven't got a pile of cash to burn through in those years, then you can't do it like that. Mm. Um, you just can't. You have to, um, you know, it has to self-sustain if you're going to grow organically. Um, obviously, you know, there are people who can, who can get funding, um, but you're going to get more funding if you've shown organic growth anyway. And so having some, something functional and not embarrassing, um, yeah. in, or not too embarrassing, uh, each step of the sales process from the bottom up is, I think, essential. Mm. But then 
just to agree and disagree with you at the same time. Then Facebook and Twitter did have a product that people liked using. So they did have like the bottom of the funnel in that sense. They did because, because they're, yeah, yeah. Because their market, because their users aren't paying them. So again, this is, this is why people, people get it confused. Um, uh, Facebook isn't a product for Facebook users. Facebook users are a product for advertisers. Yes. And so, um, you know, every time we log into Facebook as, um, in order to chat to our friends, we are the product. Yeah, yeah. Um, we okay. we are the people being sold, um, and so actually, Facebook, the business, um, mm. their customers are not us. Their customers are the advertisers. Yeah, definitely. And they didn't have a product for advertisers when they started building. No. Cool. And then the next one is to um, is to prioritize, and I mean, really, really focus. So we. Um, uh, don't know about you but i've never yet found anyone who couldn't think of more ways to spend money on marketing um, what people usually need is is fewer ideas on which to actually focus um so one of the key parts of the wall street methodology which is in chapter two of the book is the 13 touchpoint leaks and the diagnostic tool that i just described to you is a way of um very quickly saying of all those things you could be doing do this one first. Yeah. Slow down. Do this. When you finish this, take the next step. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So that was some great advice on what we should be doing with our marketing. Now we're going to hear some of the biggest mistakes that people make with their marketing and what we shouldn't be doing. So typically in small businesses who don't have a dedicated marketing resource um, and perhaps you know haven't put aside a, a decent marketing budget, what you'll tend to find is that... Um, People focus on marketing for for a little while. They get excited about it and they do some do some activity. Maybe uh, run an event or do a show or whatever it might be. Do some direct mail, um, and then and then uh, some business starts to come in, and so they head down, deliver the business, and don't do any marketing. And then they come to the end of a, a period of of kind of servicing customers, put their head up and go, "Oh, better do some marketing. Do some marketing, then stop, then start, then stop." Um, which means that it doesn't really gather momentum. Yeah. And and you know you also you start with a blank sheet of paper. So you're starting with a blank sheet of paper each time, which means that you're slower at doing it because you've not become expert. And it also means that um, people have probably forgotten about you in the time when you went quiet because you know you need that lighthouse effect going on little and often so that people um, are are aware of you and and it starts to build up in terms of awareness and momentum rather than stop start. Mm. Yeah. There's quite a good, um, quite like uh, I think Will Smith saying, like, if you stay ready, you don't ever have to get ready. Yeah, absolutely right. And now mistake number two. So I'll tell you one of the other massive mistakes people make mm-hmm. uh, is that they, um, they appeal to the wrong customers. So um, one, of, one of the key parts of the Water Marketing methodologies is around defining the right kind of work. And often what people will do in a business plan is they will define the right kind of work by how profitable it is, rather than by balancing that with how much they're going to enjoy it. So I, we, we have a, a framework um, called the PP matrix. It's the uh, profit purpose matrix. And if you overlay stuff that's going to make you money and stuff that's going to light your soul, mm. um, you, there's, a, there's an overlay where those things come together where you should truly focus. And unfortunately, people get very, um, they get a little bit bogged down in stuff that might be easier to win particularly yeah. initially, but then that, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you've done work that you didn't really want to do because you needed the money. 
and now you get known for doing the sort of work that you didn't really want to do mm. and you, now you've got stuff on your website that's case studying the sort of work you don't really want to do and you get known for it and you know so it becomes it becomes a downward spiral if you chase just mm. the money nice yeah that's definitely a big mistake that i had maybe caught up in before <laughs> and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Funny. Cool. Hey, you're not the only one. Mm. And finally, mistake number three. You're jumping from one technique to the next. So I call it tactic burn, uh, which is a bit like, um, so to go back to the yo-yo diet analogy, this is a bit like, um, uh, I'm going to do yoga. Oh, yoga's boring. Oh, I'm going to do Zumba. And, oh, I don't really like that anymore. So, you know, like um, people jump from one fitness fad to the next, thinking the next yeah. one's going to work. Whereas if they're just stuck with the first one and done it little and often, they probably would have, you know, they'd probably be lithe and jolly and full yeah, of energy. Yeah. So it's kind of um, people often um, jump from one tactic to the next tactic to the next tactic, thinking that one of them is going to be the answer, the, yeah, the yeah, magic yeah, wand or whatever. Yeah. Whereas, whereas actually what they probably need is a little bit of all of those things done consistently. Um, and so kind of uh, magic wand hunting um is you know a real mistake and unfortunately there are lots of purveyors of magic ones in the world um mm. who will happily take your money and uh, and you know, yeah, yeah. present you with the emperor's new clothes and so you know if you um, spend a little bit of time on facebook if you're a business owner and see the ads you get served and you will see people selling marketing magic ones all over the place that unfortunately mm. they don't exist some great insights so far now, I really love to hear real examples and stories from people. So now we're going to go into Bryony's own experiences from her best and worst campaigns that she has ever been involved in. The best marketing campaign I've been involved in. Well, I've been involved in a lot. So it's one which is the most memorable for me, but I wouldn't say it's the best. It was probably, um, it was very much ahead of its time. So in 2005, um, I was an account manager on, uh, on an account for Quantum DLT tape, backup tape. This is how old I am, Sam. Wow. Um, this is when people actually had to back up onto a tape. In fact, they still do, but it's just in a data center somewhere. Anyway, yeah. um, we did a campaign where we sent seven and a half thousand pairs of branded yellow trainers to IT directors in seven countries across Europe. Wow. And they had, in order to get their trainers, they had to fill in a survey, which gave us a load of data. And we took the data and we turned it into a trend um, paper, so content marketing. Uh, uh, so we took their information, we turned it into um, very interestingly laid out uh, visual thing, which these days would be called an infographic. Yeah. Um, and then we took the data and we turned it into a trends document, which these days would be called content marketing. Um, and we then used that material to run a big press campaign to get coverage of trends on IT directors across Europe and whatever. So uh, it was in seven languages. There was a microsite. It gathered data. It created content. It got press. It, you know, it was it was phenomenally integrated. The, the creative was shocking. Um, and I've only just got to the point where I might wear yellow again <laughs> <laughs> cool that sounds like a lot of fun it's a campaign there and interesting stuff yeah oh gosh yeah it was great it was great i mean it's you know you can uh, if you were to look back at my campaign plans um that yeah. so i did the strategy for that campaign if you were to look back at my campaign plans from well, what you know, i would have been planning that in late 2004 and 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 you look at watertight marketing the book mm. it's all there you can cool. see you can see the thinking yeah yeah very early on yeah yeah that's cool what was the worst campaign you were ever involved in? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I tell you the campaign that, uh, that stands out in my mind, again, for awful creative. It, it did work, so I suppose I can't criticise it too much. When, I, uh, I, when I, I was director of marketing at Experian Marketing Services, and we had to merge four companies in six weeks, and we had to pull all the brands together, pull all the teams together, and we had to do an internal communications campaign to, to make people like each other and work well together. Yeah. Um, whilst in that time uh, 200 people were made redundant so the um, communications challenge was vast and we had a we had a, a launch day on which we had a the creative concept oh, you, I can't even it, it's almost too bad to say um, the creative concept was called imaginology it was the integration of imagination and technology and uh, made up words like that drive me a little bit nuts but that was the campaign yeah. that we did um, and it was just naff but it, it did work it did work so. okay <laughs> yeah sounds like a kind of painful naff. thing to be involved in yeah, yeah cool it was great it was a phenomenal i mean not not for the people who got made redundant obviously yeah. <laughs> but well you know you never you never know it might have been the best thing that ever happened to them lots of these things are but i um it was a, it was an incredible six weeks that, that that six weeks in terms of my learning as a marketer and as a project manager and you know as someone who's gone on to be an entrepreneur i would say that six week period um was probably one of the the most formative short spans of my life professionally yeah how could someone take those lessons that you got from those six weeks like without going through that process put on a massive event with a burning platform with a deadline with a um with with money down back yourself spend a lot of money (laughs) and and risk losing it yeah that's cool (laughs) all right (laughs) i guess i should put an event a bit sooner than three years after all then well, possibly. I mean, I say event, but it, it might be, it might be something else. It might be a massive investment in a software tool or whatever. But mm. um, there is something. Uh, the the great thing about an event as a learning experience is that um, there is an immovable date. It's highly public, yeah. and it's deeply embarrassing if it goes wrong. So um, those three things, um, co- the, those three things come together to make it something that's very mobilising. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Thanks. We also love to hear about concepts and ideas that are doing great and that can be good examples for us all. So I asked Bryony what her favourite brand was and why. There's one recently that um, I have used as an example because I thought it was just so truly radically brilliant. It's a toilet paper company um, called Who Gives a Crap? And it's a subscription <laughs> model. So you subscribe and you have toilet paper delivered to your house. Um, and the reason I thought this was absolutely brilliant is that it's a crazy business model for toilet paper. You know, it's a, one of those things that someone might have said in a meeting and someone would have gone, how ridiculous. Um, it's also, as a marketer, toilet paper is often used as the archetypal example of a purchase decision made on autopilot. Yeah. It's one of, yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's, it's so far from a considered purchase that it's almost the archetypal you know not unthinking purchase once you've made your once you decide what you like that's what you always buy yeah yeah and so these guys have um they so that the re, they it's all recycled um it's uh recycled and recyclable 
the uh, the paper um, they they plant trees for every batch that you um, that you buy. They, so it's a it's on an they've taken an environmental stance on it, mm. um, and their and their marketing is really cheeky and irreverent. Yeah. Um, and they, as far as I can see, their um, their budget is being spent almost exclusively on retargeted social advertising. Um, at the, just brilliant to take an archetypal autopilot purchase and make people think about it differently incredible yeah cool i'll go like them up afterwards that sounds awesome do do well I, you know I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a customer so they, yeah yeah great. certainly when i was back when i was running an airbnb actually running out of toilet paper was the worst thing that just couldn't go wrong absolutely absolutely and you know this it also so it's one of the it's one of the things that my husband and i argue about i i think you can never have enough toilet paper in house because you know running out yeah. just is why would you want to um yeah. uh, whereas whereas my husband uh, if, if i've got loads of toilet paper in house it's like gosh how much how much do we need um and so we, we, that's just you know argument over it's on subscription i spend a lot of my time thinking about the future and also reading so Appropriately, this last clip covers what Bryony predicts is the next big thing in marketing and her favourite books. The next big thing in marketing is going to be direct mail. Um, why do you think that? <laughs> why do I think that? Because I think people are really bored of digital. Yeah. I think, um, I think, uh, I think things become wallpaper, don't they? So I think mm. the combination of people being really quite miffed with Facebook um, for the data usage, um, the... Uh, People have now kind of clocked retargeted advertising. They understand how it works and they kind of, they see it and then rule it out. The, it all becomes wallpaper. Um, yeah. GDPR has reduced email. Spam blockers mean it doesn't get through, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Digital has a place. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not saying don't do this stuff. I'm just saying it's going to be less effective than it has been previously. You have to work harder. Yeah. Um, what that brings us back to is good old fashioned um, creative concepts that get you noticed and phys- physicality, human touch. Mm. And so it almost, it's almost a kind of um, once, once when these digital things are new, that they, they work particularly well for a period of time and for early adopters, then they become wallpaper, then too many people jump on board and one returns to is this a phenomenal creative concept that gets people to notice it? And how do you truly get someone to, to yeah. experience it? And, you know, a brilliant piece of direct mail does all yeah, of those. Yeah. Things. It's going to stay in the home as well and like be on the fridge and talked about when, Absolutely. You, when you're actually in the mindset to go and do the thing, you can go and yeah, do it. Yeah. Whereas if you get an email that is maybe something you do want to do, you want to book a holiday, but if you're at work, you might just delete it because you're going to book a holiday later. Of course, of course. Then but here, well, here's the thing as well. Yeah. Um, so when was the last time you took a photo of a piece of email marketing that somebody sent you and shared it? So yeah. the other great thing about direct mail uh, is that although it's a traditional technique, the social sharing habit and the selfie habit means that phenomenal direct mail actually is a crazy brilliant digital marketing technique because people mm. photograph it. So it's, um, you know, if you can get standout, you can get something in somebody's home, not only does it um, get their attention, uh, it hangs around, 
Act, which gets you recall and familiarity. Um, it also extends the reach by virtue of the fact that lots of people will take photos and share these things. Yeah. And there are very few, there are very few things. I mean, digital um, techniques are kind of ephemeral, aren't they? They're like um, flopsam mm. and jetsam. They just kind of pass you by. Yeah, yeah. It's um, definitely like in the moment and then it's gone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, Whereas direct mail persists. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it's something that's valuable and funny and interesting and, you know, all those good things. Mm. Yeah, I think... Um, well, I can't give them any examples of what we've done with Postry yet, but the one thing is that we spoke to a mentor and um, sent him like a postcard being like, uh, Eamon is awesome. Like I went to see him like a month later and it was on his desk and he still got it there and like people see it every time they walk in kind of thing. And you're like, it's kind of yeah, nice absolutely right. People. It's the kind of thing gets stuck on a vision board, stuck on a post, yeah, yeah. On, a, on, a, on a notice board, popped on the front of the fridge, stuck to the side of your laptop. You know, the, the, um, those uh, those little uh, physical human touch points um, mm. mapped in and integrated with a digitally supported journey do, elevates mm. it incredibly. Yeah, cool. Well, I could go on for hours talking about how great physical mail is as I, uh, I'm running a physical mail business. Which um, which actually only popped into my head about a second after I said that. Yeah, but, um, I wasn't sure if you said that as a joke just because of it was me asking. No. No, yeah, honestly, yeah. no, Ooh. honestly. Um, literally, I got halfway through my sentence and thought that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to sound like a plant. Promise you it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting. My next question is, what is the best book on marketing? The best book on marketing is obviously Waterstack Marketing. Yeah. But what other books on marketing um, mm. have I read more than once? Yeah. Um, so I would say go and read uh, Valuable Content Marketing by um, Sonia Jefferson and Sharon Tanton. Um, it's really practical. Um, it will get you over the fear of a blank sheet of paper. Um, it will help you to build, uh, create content that um, that converts, you know, content that is truly useful to people rather than chip paper. Um, and it's, it's practical, it's usable, gives really sensible tips. It's, um, it's not, you know, it's not a conceptual book that you nod and do nothing. It's a, it's a, it's a workbook. Unmarketing by Scott Stratton. And I would go and look up his YouTube channel. He's good fun to, to listen to. Um, it's probably the best marketing sales, like the sales book of what marketing is. Um, he's just called it Unmarketing. Um, mainly because of the things I was saying earlier about the fact that ironically marketing's got a branding issue hasn't it everyone thinks marketing's um, oily and manipulative and da-di-da-di-da which means he called it unmarketing in order to separate it from that but really it's a book about marketing um, and it and it helps and it kind of does a sales job on why marketing is important so it's a good book to read if you're trying to convince someone to give you money for marketing cool so that's the end of the podcast and interview so many great lessons from Bryony. Her book is available for free on her website. If you enjoy it and want to make notes in a physical copy, it's available on Amazon and quite a few good bookstores, I'm, I'm expecting. So also, if you want to work with Bryony and her Watertight marketing team, then head over to www.watertightmarketing.co.uk and you can sign up for some of the free introduction assessments and see what they can do for you. Like, um, I'm not going to sell it or anything, but just purely recommending to you that it's a really good option for your business if you're looking to really improve your marketing. And they can definitely identify a few profit leaks that you may have. And on that note, I hope you enjoyed the episode and have got some really good take-homes from that. If you want to see the show notes, you can head over to our website on postery.com and uh, look in the blog. And yeah, just hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And remember to keep marketing. Don't get stuck in the yo-yo marketing diet. If you stay ready, you'll never have to get ready. 
Now go kill it. Woo! You just listened to an episode of Marketing Mindset. Please hit subscribe and tell all your marketing and business buddies they need marketing mindset in their lives. If you're feeling generous or bored, then invest 20 seconds in leaving us a good rating and we should be very grateful.